And as we begin to talk about Ezekiel today, I want to talk to you about where he comes from. We know that uh, Ezekiel, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. A lot of people kind of like the book, but you read the first couple chapters and you're like, dang, this dude's weird. <laughs> when you read it, it's like talking about this four-headed thing and a wheel within a wheel and it's coming at me and it's, and it's turning, but it's not really turning different directions. And you start reading it, it's like, what in the world is this dude talking about? Ezekiel is more of a, a unique book because it starts out showing the manifest glory of God. And so Ezekiel is one of the books that's written to display the glory of God and what God wants to do. Now, Ezekiel was written between the year of 593 and 570 B.C. And so remember Israel, the top nation of Israel, it's divided into, you got Israel and Judah was taken into captivity in 722. Judah was finally taken into complete captivity in 586. And it happened through three different raids. In the 605 B.C. raid, Daniel, the prophet we'll talk about next week, was taken into captivity. In the 597 raid, Ezekiel was taken into captivity. In the 586 raid, which was the final fall, was the ultimate fall of, of Jerusalem. That's when Jeremiah was taken into captivity. So Ezekiel begins to prophesy when he is already in captivity. That's important to note as we begin this message because some of you are in the midst of great captivity in your life right now and God's going to tell you to do one thing this morning and he's going to tell you to prophesy your way out of it. Now some of y'all are thinking that's kind of weird because I'm not a prophet. I don't operate in the gifting of a prophet. Well, get ready because when you receive the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you, the Bible put anointing on your words to restore, refresh, and recreate. He put an anointing on your vocabulary. If you're always calling your wife a loser and you're always calling your husband an idiot, your words have anointing on them. And you wonder why your marriage is losing and you wonder why your marriage looks like it's a bunch of idiots. Because there's an anointing on your words. Ezekiel began to prophesy when they were already in a place of captivity. If you're in a place of captivity this morning, it is not too late for you. If your marriage is captive to the devil and he's running, running wild throughout your marriage, get ready because you can start prophesying what God God told you to say about your marriage and God will bring you out of captivity. He will bring your kids out of captivity. Some of your kids are, are strung out on drugs and you've been praying for them. Some of your kids have a problem with alcohol even at the age of 12 and you've been praying for them. So listen to me on this. Even though they're in the midst of captivity, Ezekiel began to prophesy in the midst of captivity out of the land of Israel and Judah, not even in a church house we would say. He began to prophesy and God did amazing work through Ezekiel. This morning I want you to get that spirit about you this morning that you'll begin to prophesy what God has told you to say about your life. The historical purpose of Ezekiel is this. He was the prophet of exile and his mission was to this, to comfort and encourage God's people by revealing God's plan for their full restoration. Everybody say that with me. Say full restoration. Now say it like your life is going to be fully restored. Ready? One, two, three. Full restoration. We need to get some full restoration going on. So Ezekiel wasn't just prophesying, oh, one day you'll go back to the land and be a bunch of slaves again like you were in Egypt. He said, no, I'm going to prophesy and full restoration is coming to your life. Some of you, when I say the words full restoration, you start thinking back to the way your marriage was 10 years ago and say, oh, if we could just have those days recaptured once again. Well, that's what the people of Israel do is say, if we could just get back to the glory days. Ezekiel begins to prophesy that there's going to be a greater day coming than they previously experienced. And that was unheard of because the days of King David and King Solomon were the peak of the Jewish empire. And he was beginning to prophesy there's still one greater coming than David, than Solomon. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's bringing full 
restoration to a lost and dying people. Now, if that doesn't get you excited this morning, we need to go back into worship, amen? Because <laughs> God's bringing us into full restoration. That's the historical purpose of it. The doctrinal purpose of this, it's connected strongly with the glory of God. And in strongly being connected with the glory of God, Ezekiel begins to address the people's sin and says, if you'll just quit, God's going to show his glory and bring you back. So in your life, there's going to be things as you begin to prophesy that God begins to change and tells you to quit doing so he can bring about full restoration And then finally, the Christological purpose of the book is Christ is revealed as the glory of God in Ezekiel 10. He's the renewer of the covenant in Ezekiel 16. He's the shepherd of the flock in Ezekiel 34. He's the cleanser of the temple in Ezekiel 36. He's the regenerator of Israel in Ezekiel 36. And he is the restorer of Israel, which is the theme of the whole book, is the full restoration of the nation of Israel. So let's jump into this and open up your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter number 37 this morning. As you're turning there, I'm going to tell you that Ezekiel is the prophet of the glory of God and his name means strengthened by God you're going to be strengthened by God this morning to begin to do one thing prophesy over your own life about what God has called you to say and who he's called you to be and so I love this this is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible and the Bible says this in Ezekiel 37 the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley everybody say valley and it was full of bones and he led me back and forth among them bones and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley and the bones were not just dry but the Bible says very dry there's no life in them at all and he asked me son of man can these bones live and I said sovereign Lord you only know and then he said to me prophesy to these bones say to these bones dry bones hear the word of the Lord this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones I will make breath into you and you will come to life And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And when I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh were appearing upon them. And skin began to cover them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man say to it this is what the sovereign lord says come breath from the four winds and breathe into these that have been slain that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered into them and they came to life and they stood upon their feet a vast army and he said to me son of man these these bones are the people of israel and they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off therefore prophesy to them and say to them this is what the sovereign lord says my people i am going to open up your graves and i'm going to bring you up from them i will bring you back into the land of israel then you will know my people you will know that i am the lord when i open up your graves and i will bring you up from them i will put my spirit in you and you will live and i will settle you in your own land then you will know that i the lord have spoken and i the lord have done it declares the lord There is a lot wrapped up in there, and you could preach a series of messages on first three verses, much less all 14 verses. So I'm going to preach my heart out until the clock goes off, and then I'm going to stop and let God do his thing. Amen? And so God can, God can minister in your life. And so I want, I want you to begin back at the beginning with me. And the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter number 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. He set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones, and he brought me back and forth among them. And I saw bones on the floor, and they were very dry. Now I want you to stop for a minute, and I'm going to ask you this. What is it going to take? What is it going to take for you in your life for God to get your attention, to get you to start noticing the dry bones that are in your life? 
What is it going to take for Ezekiel? The Bible says the hand of God had to be upon him. And God brought him out by the Spirit and began to show him all the dryness of the land, all the bones that were there. There were skeletons upon skeletons upon skeletons, thousands of them across this valley. And they are the dry bones of Israel, not just dry, but very dry bones. Some of you walk into your house everything, every single day and you're disgusted by what you see, but you still haven't opened your eyes to see where the dry bones are coming from. Some of you walk in your house and you don't even like to go home because when you walked in, you're upset about this issue, you're upset about this work situation, you're upset with your spouse, your kids can't do anything right, and everything is falling apart. And God says, I'm just trying to get you to realize something, that you have dry bones in your life that I'm ready to bring life into and change forever. Sometimes God lets you see how bad things are so, so he can show you what he's about to do and how good he can make it. God didn't destine the bad things to happen to you. I'm just going to go ahead and make that clear. But bad things happen because we live in a fallen, broken world. And in a fallen, broken world, sometimes even as believers, Damon, we bring fallenness and brokenness into our household. And sometimes, Cody, we let those skeletons of fallen and brokenness camp out in our household and sit on our couch. And sometimes we even bring them farther and we bring them into the intimate places in our life. And you got skeletons in your bedroom and you try to stuff them in the back part of your closets. But God's saying, notice all those dry bones that you see. Get ready because I'm fixing to bring skeletons to life. God is putting a calling on people today to start bringing those dead areas of your life that you think are dead and gone and have no hope to start prophesying life to them. When will we begin to take spiritual inventory of how things really look? When you get tired of living in a skeleton of what you were and tired of living in a skeleton of what you're called to be, God says, good, now I can start bringing life because I got somebody who's about to do something with what they've recognized. Some of you, you're even in a worse place than that if you can imagine it, you don't even know you're a skeleton because you've never even experienced what real really is. You've never experienced what a real marriage is really should be like. You've grown up and your parents fought all the time, and so all you do is fight all the time, and you're flying upside down so long when you get right side up, you think it's upside down. Some of you have never experienced real, and therefore you're living in a skeleton and you don't even know it. Get ready, God's saying, I need some people that I can bring across the valley of dry bones and begin to look at the dry bones and watch what happens when we get sick and tired of a skeleton that we're living in God will bring us out of captivity because he asked us the question can these bones live now as we begin verse 4 this is where it gets really good and he said to me prophesy everybody say the word prophesy prophesy the word in the the Hebrew is nava everybody say nava it's n-a-v-a is how you spell it but you pronounce it n-a-v-a is how you pronounce it and I know that's weird and why do they do that in language I don't know could they please keep it simple <laughs> that's why a running joke is simple in seminary is like that's all Greek to me you know because it's hard it's hard to understand these things sometimes but get this what this word means he said then he said to me prophesy to these bones say to them dry bones hear the word of the Lord he said prophesy to these bones and say dry bones hear the word of the Lord now listen here the term here means to make a proclamation or to make a summons to make a proclamation what a proclamation is is this a proclamation is a public or an official announcement especially one dealing with a matter of great importance it's a public and official announcement so when Ezekiel began to stand up and begin to prophesy and he said dry bones hear the word of the Lord he said I'm making a public announcement and I'm making an official announcement he stepped up in spiritual authority he said I'm fixing to make it public and I'm fixing to make it official some of you this morning, you need to begin to prophesy and say to your marriage, say to your kids, say to your workplace, say to your career, hear the word of the Lord. I'm making an official statement and I'm making it a public statement. 
See, some of you are afraid to go public with your faith. The world doesn't care about your private conversations with God until they see the public manifestation of them. You can tell me all day long that you pray. I'm glad that you pray, but show me a public manifestation of your private conversation so we can know that you have heard the word of God and you begin to say, hear dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I'm making an official statement and I'm making a public statement. Some of you need to go home and sit down with your spouse together and say, we're making a proclamation here today. We're making an official statement about our marriage and we're going to make a public statement about our marriage. You need to make it official and you need to make it public. Some of you need to go home with your kids and you need to ask your, uh, you need to apologize to your kids and ask forgiveness from some of your kids for not being the parents you should have been. And you need to make a public announcement and you need to make an official announcement that you're going to be different and you're going to be a God-fearing mom and dad from this day forward. Some of you need to go to your career and you need to look at your career when you go to work tomorrow and say, career, I'm making a public statement and I'm making an official statement. You are no longer holding me captive to where I'm at, but I'm fixing to be all that God has called me to be. Prophesy. Say to whatever your skeleton is, you skeleton, hear the word of the Lord. I'm making it public and I'm making it official because the spirit of God is upon you and he's anointed you to prophesy. So make it public and make it official. Now I'm going to clarify the term prophecy just for a second. When I'm saying prophesy, it doesn't mean you run up to everybody in the church and say, God's got a word for you from me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about personal prophecy where you are the prophet of your own life. God can give people a word from him to go tell people. I'm not talking about you getting in everybody else's skeletons. I'm talking about you noticing your own skeletons first and telling them to come to life. Because when your skeletons that are dead, lost, and dying begin to come to life and begin to have life in them again, people are going to notice that marriage was dead. Now it's alive. They're going to start coming to you to get the word of God. But nobody wants to hear the word of God from somebody whose life is worse than theirs. So that's why I said earlier, don't tell me how much your private conversation of prayer is with God until the public manifestation begins to show it. People want to see your public manifestation, then they'll know how quality your private conversation really is. And he said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So that means to make a proclamation, and it also means to make a summons. Now, when you get summons to the court, it means it's an official document that says you have to be here no matter what, and you got to show up. So a summons is an authoritative and urgent call to be present. So some of you don't just need to make a proclamation about your situation. You need to make a summons about your situation. It's an urgent call for it to show up and be present. When Ezekiel said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, what he was saying is I'm making a proclamation, I'm making it public, I'm making it official, and it's also an urgent call for the Spirit of God, the breath of life, to show up and show in those bones and bring them back to life. That's a lot in one word, I know. But today, I need you to grab hold of this. Make a proclamation and a summons over the skeleton that's in your life. Begin to look at your life and begin to evaluate because God wants to see something begin to rise up. And he goes on to say, this is what he began to prophesy. He said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And he said, I will make breath enter you and life will come to you and I will attach tendons to you. And I will make flesh cover you and I will cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied, uh, Ezekiel said. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And while I was prophesying, there was a noise. Everybody say a noise. There was a rattling. Everybody say rattling. There was a sound. Now listen to this. When you begin to prophesy, you got to hang with me here. When you begin to prophesy, God's going to begin to do some shaking. 
the dry bones all across the valley began to shake and rattle and began to come together. Because when a skeleton died in the midst, or a person died in the midst of a valley and the skeleton happened, there were all kinds of birds of prey that would come and eat all the flesh. And so the bones would be scattered. And so this person over here, it may be their arm, but their leg may be way over here. And so when God said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, come to life, there was a rattling that took place. Bones all across the valley began to shake. Now the problem is, when we began to prophesy, marriage, you're going to get better, kids, we're going to be different, career, you're going to change, God's going to start doing some shaking, and as a believer, you can't freak out. As a believer, you can't freak out and say, oh my God, something's going on, something's happening. Right? Listen, I've seen more people start praying for their marriage, and a shaking begin to happen. And everybody seems to look at it as negative. We took a stand on our marriage, and this is coming against us now, and this is coming against us now, and this is coming against us now. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. God needs to do some shaking in your life because you got to where you were at because there wasn't enough shaking going on in the first place. And I'm not talking about a bunch of bad stuff happening in the first place. What I'm talking about, God has to begin to move some junk out so his new stuff can come in. We like to call it cleaning house. If you were to buy brand new furniture for your house, what would you do with the old? Get rid of it. You didn't buy a new one to keep the old one. You say, God, I want a brand new marriage. Or my marriage to be made like new. Let me rephrase that, okay? <laughs> I want my marriage to be made new again. And then you won't throw out the old furniture. Do you see the problem? God, I want my kids to, to be great, and I want my kids to be like new again. And then you got to start putting the law down with your kids, and they rebel a little bit. And you think the whole world's falling apart. No, there's got to be some shaking going on at some point in your life. Because when the shaking starts to happen, when the rattling begins to take place, God is doing something. I like to say this, if all hell is breaking loose in your life, let it go. If all hell is breaking loose in your marriage, let go of it. Why are you trying to hold on to all the junk when God says, I got to get rid of it? And you're like, no, I want to keep it. It's mine. Let it go. I mean, sing the Frozen song if you have to. I knew y'all were thinking it, so I just had to say it. Inside joke between me and Sherry, too. Let it go. And so the, the, the thing about the rattling and the shaking, and this is of, of so important, because you're going to leave here energetic, fired up, that I'm going to go home, and I'm going to prophesy about my marriage, my kids, my finances, my addictions, my whatever. I'm going to prophesy, and I'm going to say, hear the word of the Lord. I'm going to make a public declaration. It's going to be an authoritative declaration, and, it's gonna have, and it's, I'm going to summon some things. It's going to be done with authority, and it's going to be made public. And as soon as you make it public, everybody's going to say, ooh, let's watch it fall. I'm all about saying, ooh, let's watch it rise. But sometimes to get from a one-story house to a, a sky-rise building, you got to tear down the old and you got to come in and redo foundation work. People are going to ask you, why did you start tithing? Because it's foundational. Foundational for your Christian walk to tithe. You're wondering why your household isn't blessed and you don't tithe? Answer number one. And that's not about money. It's about obedience. Foundational. Why are you reading your Bible all the time? Because it's foundational. Why, do you have, why are you even praying so much? It's foundational. God is going to begin to do a work, but when God starts working, a shaking starts happening. Do you remember what happened to Isaiah? When Isaiah saw the Lord, the temple that he was at, what happened, Damon? It shook. When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary and the curtain was torn from top to bottom, it was such a shaking that the Bible says it was a great earthquake. God has got to do some shaking sometimes, and that's not a negative term. But you need to hold on to what the word of God is saying to you because as you begin to prophesy, God's going to begin to move. And if God begins to move and you get scared and you run back, you'll never see the vast army that God called you to be a part of. So understand this. As there was a prophecy taking place, some shaking began to happen. And it goes on to say there was a noise, there was a rattling sound, and bones came together. It says there was bone to bone. 
and then there was tendons, and then there was flesh upon them, and then skin began to cover them. Listen, sometimes it's a process, not a miracle. Sometimes it's a process, not a miracle. Everybody say, oh, God, I just need a miracle, but God chooses to do a process. But understand this, if it's a process, not a miracle, the God who's God of the miracle is still the God of the process. And if it's a process in your life, embrace the process, because in the midst of the process, you're going to be reaching other people that the miracle could have never reached. Because in the midst of the process, people are going to see your transformation from this point to this point. There, there are about four or five people in this church who have lost over 100 pounds in the past couple years. Was it a miracle? No, it was a process. And in the midst of the process, there was encouragement all along the way. Not just that people were encouraging them, saying, wow, you're doing so great. They have began to encourage other people that what they've done, others can begin to do also. So if God chooses the process, not the miracle, get ready because in the midst of the process, you're going to be somebody else's miracle. So sometimes God will take you through a process because you're supposed to be somebody else's miracle. But nevertheless, whatever way God chooses to get you to the end point, he's still God of the miracle and he's still God of the process. So in this process that you're in, because most of you are in a process, God begins to do something. But listen, bone came to bone, tendons came on them, on them, flesh appeared to them, skin covered them. Get this, there was still no breath in them. There was still no breath in them. So they've gone from being a skeleton to being a zombie. And by and large, the church world has embraced the zombie because we're getting out of the skeleton, but we're a bunch of people standing up with no breath, no life. Zombie bones aren't any better than skeleton bones. They're just covered with something. And so in the process that there were skeletons, now there are a bunch of people standing up with flesh on them, but there's no life in them. Listen to what God says. He said in verse 9, Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. He wasn't saying prophesy to the people anymore. He was saying prophesy to the Spirit of God. Everybody say ruach. Okay, I know that's a weird word. Say it one more time. Ruach. Now listen, there is something in the Bible called ruach, and I call it the ruach Spirit of God, which means it's the Spirit of God that is awaiting the prophetic commands of what God has called you to say to your situation so the Spirit can move on it. Okay? That's not a foreign concept, because even in the midst of, of all this, he said, prophesy to the breath. So what he said is prophesy to the breath. Breath in the, in the Hebrew is ruach, which means breath or wind of heaven. So he said, prophesy to the ruach. Prophesy to the breath or wind of heaven. This is the exact same thing that happened in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 2. Listen to Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 2. It says, verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep sounds like some of your lives formless and empty and darkness is everywhere listen to what he says and the spirit of god the ruach the breath of heaven was hovering over the waters so you got this void empty place out in the middle of all of space that is formless and empty and darkness is covering it and it says the spirit of god was just hovering all around it now now listen to what god said the next verse in verse three he said light be Light be. He wasn't talking about the sun. He wasn't talking about the moon. He's talking about the glory of God, the radiance of his light, the same light translated. We are the light of the world. That light, not sunshine, not light bulb. He said, light be. And from that moment on, the spirit of God began to move and all of creation began to be formed. That breath, that when he says the spirit of God was hovering, that ruach is the same term that Ezekiel used. It's that same ruach. And he said, Ezekiel, you're my man on earth. You prophesy to the breath. You prophesy to the spirit of God. Now, here's the thing. When you begin to prophesy and you're expecting the spirit of God to move on it, you better line your words up with what the Bible said. In fact, you better just shut your mouth and only say what the Bible said. Okay? 
And I say that for a very serious reason, because there's a bunch of junk theology out there that says, oh, if you want money, just say, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But the Bible does say, bring God his tithe. So if you began to prophesy to the breath, Spirit of God, we're going to start tithing as a family. God says, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing on you, you don't have room enough for it. Whole different scenario. So when you begin to prophesy to the Ruach, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, say what the Word of God says. Say what the Word of God says about you. The Bible says this, that you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. That's what it says. What you say about you, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So what you begin to say about you, the Spirit of God hears it, and he wants to react on what you say about yourself from the word of God. Some of you have been a victim all your life, and all you've known is a victim mentality. Well, it's time for you to rise up and say, I'm no longer a victim, but I am victorious in Christ Jesus. Because the Bible says Christ has already given you the victory. Some of you need to flat out say, I am an overcomer. An overcomer means you're overcoming something. Okay, by the way, don't say I'm an overcomer and not expect a battle. Because if you're saying you're an overcomer, it means you're overcoming something. Overcoming doesn't mean I'm just walking a smooth path. It means there's a rock in the way and I'm overcoming it. There's a hurdle in the way and God's given me the ability to jump it. Or to say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and just have a straight path anyway. So hear this, what I'm saying. He said, prophesy to the bones. Then he said, prophesy to the breath. You start making a public declaration about your situation that's going on in your life. You prophesy to it, but then you also begin to declare the word of God over your life, what is said about your life, so the spirit of God can move on it. And not only does the spirit of God begin to move when you begin to prophesy what the word of God says, the angels of God begin to move. The Bible says, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey the voice of the word of God. So it doesn't just say they obey the, 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 the word of God. It says they obey the one who puts voice to the word of God. So you would do yourself a great justice to start speaking God's word over your life, not because you think it's neat, but because you really believe it. And watch what God can begin to do. So what he began to say to Ezekiel was this. He said, he said Ezekiel, I need you to Naba Ruach Naba, is what he said. I need you to prophesy to the breath and wind of heaven, prophesy it. That's what he told Ezekiel. So all this message is summed up in three words, okay? Naba Ruach Naba is what he was saying. And so in this process, the Bible says they stood up as a vast army. And as they began to stand up as a vast army, breath began to come into them again. God began to do this through Ezekiel when he began to make the proclamation. And he said, come breath. When he said, come breath, come spirit of God, this is what he was doing. He was saying, spirit of God, come in and do a work of responding to the word of God, restoring the people of God, and recreating the nation of God. Respond spirit to the word of God, restore spirit, the people of God, recreate spirit, the nation of God. Some of you got to get that in your life. Respond spirit to the word of God over my marriage, restore spirit, the, the God in our marriage, and restore spirit, the family that God has ordained our family to be. Respond, restore, recreate. Respond, restore, recreate. God's wanting the same thing of you today. He's wanting you to respond to this message so he can restore your life, so he can recreate in you what you were destined to be, and you'll no longer be a skeleton of who you were, but you'll become all that God has called you to be. Respond, restore, recreate. Let God have his perfect way in your life. I'm going to wrap it up with this in verse number 10. And he said, so I prophesied as, they com as he commanded me. And breath entered into them. And they came and they stood to life on their feet, a vast army. Now get this. They've stood to their feet, covered in flesh, covered in tendons, covered in tissue. All the bones are covered up. 
but there was no breath in them. So I prophesied to the breath, and they stood up on their feet, and breath entered into them. They came to life. They stood on their feet as a vast army. After this miracle, you would think the army would believe, but listen to what the army said. Even after this great miracle, they began to say, God, not what the word said, but how they felt. Notice what they say. They say, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel, and they are cut off. And this is what the people said. Our bones are dried up, and our hope is still gone. Our bones are dried up and our hope is still gone. I say this point to bring this message. Or I say this, uh, that point at this point in the message for this one reason. Some of you are praying for a miracle when you don't need a miracle. You need the breath of God. You need the breath of God, not a miracle. Because here's the thing about a miracle. Miracles are great, but miracles are for the moment. Breath of God is for a lifetime. Miracles are for the moment and miracles are joyous and the church celebrates miracles. And by all means, I'm not downplaying miracles. I want to see more miracles, signs, and wonders take place in this church because that's part of the glory of God being made manifest. I'm not downplaying miracles. But what I want to see more than miracles is I want to see the breath of God come in, stay here, and reside so he can respond, restore, and recreate a whole region of people that are lost, broken, and dying. And so I'm saying breath of heaven, come into TWBC so we can respond, restore, and recreate with the power of God like never before. And God responds to their hopelessness. Watch how God responds to their hopelessness. See, I'm glad God ignores some things I say to him, okay? I know he hears it, but I'm glad he ignores some things I say to him. And, and some of you are like, well, that's not theologically right, I understand, but catch the spirit of it, okay? I'm glad he ignores some of the things I say, because even after they said, our hope is gone, God said this, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And here's the best part. Then you will be my people, and you will know that I am the Lord. Then you will know that I, the Lord of heaven, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. I love that. God, in the midst of our ignorance, says, I heard you, but I didn't hear you. I heard you, but shut your mouth. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to recreate something out of you if you'll respond. I'm going to end right now because the prose point of the whole message is this. What's the prose point? It's the prophet's point of the whole book. God wants his glory on you and revealed in you so that you will know and everybody else will know that he is Lord God Almighty. God wants his glory on your life. God wants his glory in your life so that all people will know he is the Lord God Almighty. 